When discussing professional advocacy in counseling, there are two main areas, counselor preparation and counseling practice. Professional advocacy in counselor preparation refers a lot to the identity of the counseling profession. We're going to be using the article called 2020, a vision for the future of counseling and the new consensus definition of counseling by Kaplan, Torvitis, and Gladding, 2011. So to start discussing some trends in counseling based on this article, it is the fact that clients want um, evidence-based to know that they are getting value for their money. So there seems to be the need for outcome research um, that would intensify in the future. This would be any evidence-based strategies such as cognitive behavioral therapy. The second one is the centrality of family in a client's life. So counselors would need to increase and incorporate family counseling into their skill set. Next is due to the increasing diversity of the United States, the counselor education programs would need to recruit and attract a more culturally diverse student population. In addition, counselors would need to become committed to multiculturalism. Um, due to the possibilities offered by technology, counselors would make a major commitment to investigating and utilizing computers and technology in counseling. This is very evident this year, especially when we are seeing the more active use of technology for counseling practice and counseling education. Um, counselors would also face an increased pressure to ask to act ethically and within legal boundaries, especially when working online or in a hybrid fashion. Um, and then due to the rise of special interest groups pursuing important social issues, counselors would need to develop their advocacy skills, which is the second part that we will be discussing. In this particular article, they address um, seven areas to advance the counseling professional identity. So the seven areas are strengthening identity, presenting ourselves as one profession, improving public perception and recognition, and advocating for professional issues, creating licensure portability, expanding and promoting the research base of professional counseling, focusing on student perspectives, and promoting client welfare and advocacy. The consensus definition of counseling is, counseling is a professional relationship that empowers diverse individuals, families, and groups to accomplish mental health, wellness, education, and career goals. This consensus definition has been endorsed by 29 major counseling organizations. We will now discuss some elements for the consensus of advancing the future of counseling. This is taken from the Kaplan and Gladding article, 2011. So the first one that we're going to discuss is strengthening identity. The counseling profession should develop a paradigm that identifies the core commonalities of the profession. Um, the counseling profession should also identify the body of core knowledge and skills shared by all counselors. Counselor education programs should reflect a philosophy that unifies professional counselors who share a body of core knowledge and skills. The accreditation of counseling programs must reflect one identity. So the central figure here is to strengthen the identity of the counseling profession.
The next section is presenting ourselves as one profession. So the counseling profession should investigate the best structure for the future of counseling and create a common counselor identification that would also allow for additional designations of special areas and specialties. While being unified, the counseling profession should respect counseling specialties. The next step is improving public perception and recognition and advocating for professional issues. So the counseling profession should develop a clear definition of counseling for the public, present a stronger, more defined voice at the state and federal levels, promote one licensure title across different states, and work to educate the insurance industry about who we are, what we do, and the outcomes associated with counseling interventions. This has a lot to do with practice as well as public perception of what they get when they come to counseling sessions. The next one is creating licensure portability. So this means that the counseling profession should establish common counselor preparation standards that unify KCREP and Council on Rehabilitation Education Standards into a single training model. Expanding and promoting the research base of professional counseling. The counseling profession should encourage interest in research by practitioners and students, as well as emphasize both qualitative and quantitative outcome research. At this time, many best practices are dictated to counselors by other mental health professionals. The next one is focusing on students and prospective students. So this calls for the counseling profession to more actively work with undergraduates and undergraduate programs, promote and mentor internship relationships, and endorse or require student involvement in professional counseling associations. So this calls to focus not only on the students that are currently in training programs, but also those who are interested and are upcoming in the profession to know what the program is about and what they are signing up for before they get involved. And the last one is promoting client welfare and advocacy. So this is for the counseling profession should offer ongoing education and training for counselors on client and student advocacy. Identify one advocacy project that would be completed annually within a selected community as a way to strengthen our counseling identity and present ourselves as one profession and improve the public perception. The counseling profession should promote optimum health and wellness for those served as the ultimate goals of the counseling interventions. And the counseling profession should encourage evidence-based ethical practice as the foundation for counselors in training and professional counselor interventions across settings and the populations that we serve. This next section is about counseling and advocacy interventions in the counseling practice. So when we talk about privileged and marginalized counselors, we have to think about what level we are intervening at and is our advocacy gonna be effective? So we're going to go over some sections from the article by Rats ETL, and it is titled Multicultural and Social Justice Counseling Competencies. The first level that we're gonna talk about is intrapersonal. This is the individual characteristics of a person, such as knowledge, attitudes, behaviors, self-concept, skills, and developmental history. An example of this might be to employ empowerment-based theories to address the internalized privilege experienced by the privileged clients 
and internalized oppression experienced by marginalized clients. The next one is the interpersonal. The interpersonal processes and or groups that provide individuals with identity and support. This would be like family, friends, and peers. This would call to examine the relationships that privileged and marginalized clients have with their family, friends, and peers that may be sources of support or of non-support. The next level is institutional. This represents the social institutions in society, such as our schools, churches, communities, and organizations. We explore with the privileged and marginalized clients the extent to which social institutions are supportive. Next is the community level. The community as a whole represents the spoken and unspoken norms, values, and regulations that are embedded in our society. The norms and values and regulations of a community may either be empowering or oppressive to human growth and development. An intervention here would be to take the initiative to explore with privileged and marginalized clients regarding how community norms and values and regulations are embedded in our society that may hinder or contribute to their growth and development. Next is public policy. Public policy reflects on the local, state, and federal laws and policies that regulate or influence client human growth and development. An example would be to initiate discussion with privileged and marginalized clients regarding how they shape and are shaped by local, state, and federal laws and policies. Lastly is international and global affairs. International and global concerns reflect the events and affairs and policies that influence psychological health and well-being. We seek out professional development and learn how privileged and marginalized clients are influenced and influenced by international and global affairs.